Professor X lied to the X-Men? I am shocked. And I thought bald people were trustworthy. Welcome to a deadly episode of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's September 2020 and we'll be discussing X-Men Deadly Genesis. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is my solid, solid as a rock, Patty. Here's your reminder to leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. We're funny and charming and likable, damn it. But we need you to validate us. That's a lie. I need you to validate me because I have issues. I'm arachnophobic. I hate clowns. I cannot exist in the same room as coleslaw. And I believe that koalas are evil, soulless monsters put here by Satan to infiltrate society with their beady little eyes and condescending grimaces. And just ask yourself, how is it that eucalyptus is poisonous to humans, but koalas eat it like it's no fucking problem? Why is eucalyptus just like NBD to koalas? It's because eucalyptus is the actual devil's lettuce and koalas are the devil. And speaking of lettuce, we're about to toss some salad and maybe even a little fruit cocktail into your face. We've got our tongs, thongs, and tongues ready to deliver absolute culinary and cunnilingual podcast delight. Open your ears and your mouths for some Italian dressing. I don't know what any of that means, but there's your explicit content warning. Um, koalas actually evolved to be able to eat eucalyptus. You believe in evolution? <laughs> <laughs> you silly goose. <laughs> um... All right, don't don't attack Jonathan. I never understood his <laughs> hatred of koalas either. Um, I'm a normal person, so I think Whoa. they're cute. Whoa! Uh, oh, do you remember that show? It was on. Wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. No, I think it was on Fuse or MTV, and it was about a koala, and he was like stoned all the time. No. All right. Patty. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. There anyway, was... that exists. There was a cartoon when I was little on Nickelodeon called like the Noozles. Or the, I think it was the Noozles, and it was about these koalas that came to life with this child or children and went to some special, I think, dimension with them. I remember, like, nothing. I was very little, but I used to watch that show. I honestly, listen, listen, if you like koalas, I just more power to you. That's that's fine. Listen, I, I am all about people having different opinions on things, and it's acceptable, okay? I don't hate koalas. I don't want bad things to happen to koalas. They just freak me out. I don't know what it is. I think it's that Simpsons episode where they went to Australia, and then there was the ending of the episode. The koala hitched a ride on the helicopter, and it was, like, close up into, like, its evil, beady little eyes. And it was... It freaked me out when I was a kid. And I think that's what has made me feel like koalas are just freaky. So, uh, you were traumatized by the Simpsons. That's an interesting fact. Patty. Uh, Jonathan, <laughs> um, so do you remember a time in the past when Krakoa wasn't just this orifice for mutants to fuck and fuck on and be <laughs> fucked by? Do you remember that? Because Krakoa was not always a welcoming place. <laughs> Who remembers? When it was Pepperidge a- Farms remembers. <laughs> Who remembers? When Krakoa was an orifice, <laughs> according to Patty. Well, I mean, they, used to they fuck have the... to have holes. It has to have holes. Or you could just dig them. Just get a shovel. Just get in there. That's how it works. 
If you can't find a hole, make your own. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, you know, uh, that, that scene sounds... from, uh, was it American Pie? Yeah, where you fucked the pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so if, the you name can't, of the movie. if you can't find, uh, somebody to fuck. You fuck the pie. Just fuck a pie. Fuck a hole in the ground. All right, well, listen. Listen, disclaimer. Like, don't fuck the pie straight out of the oven. <laughs> <laughs> and don't cook bacon shirtless. Also, don't mow your lawn with sandals or barefoot. I told Jonathan a story about that. That was the first time I ever saw a rescue copter. <laughs> At this uh, lake house of one of my family members. I was like, why the fuck did they have a helicopter? And they're like, oh, some asshole was mowing his lawn without his shoes on. <laughs> he lost his toe. Yeah. And he had to be airlifted, which I hope insurance covers. And I'm only going to have insurance, even though I live in a metro, uh, you know, a major metropolitan area. I'm going to make sure that my insurance covers airlifting. We need helicopter insurance. <laughs> <laughs> You got your home insurance, you got to get your flood insurance, you got to get your helicopter insurance. That's right. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, helicopters, the Blackbird. Helicopter dick? You got the (laughs) helicopter dick? Oh man, that song. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. Helicopter dick. Helicopter dick. To impress a chick, do the helicopter dick. So how you doing, Fatty? I'm doing great. Yeah. All right, let's let's get into this, shall yeah. we? Right into it. Right into we're it. We're digging that hole. We're digging that hole. And we're fucking it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, X-Men Deadly Genesis. So, uh, was it the end of July? Yeah, it was about a month ago that X-Men 10 released, and I've been very much looking forward to it because it featured uh, Petra and Sway on the cover. And uh, so I was like, oh, man, you know, after reading that, I kind of wanted to go back and reread Deadly Genesis because I got it over five years ago, and that was the last time I read it. Is is when we got it. we were at a convention. I think we were at uh, Atlantic City Boardwalk on when I got it, and then shortly after that we got the rats, and I had yes. just finished this, and that's why I named Petra our our pet rat. Uh, we had two pet rats, but I named one of them. Patty named the other, and since I just finished Deadly Genesis and I fell in love with Petra, I named the one rat Petra. So, oh, I didn't yeah. realize that you just read that when we got I them. I just read oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, that was, makes sense, it was in yeah. May, and we got the rats in the middle of June 2015. And I never read this so, yeah. before today. So, interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so I thought, you know, we should we should maybe talk about it. It it might be interesting. It was a it was it was a way to say, "Hey, we're going to we're going to do another episode and get Patty to read something." <laughs> <laughs> if I want Patty to read something, I'll just be like, let's record an wow, episode. Wow, you sound like my English teacher. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is summer homework. Okay, good. So yeah, so so X-Men Deadly Genesis came out in uh, 2005. It was written by Ed Brubaker. Uh, was doing a, a bunch of work for Marvel for a while. He's a pretty good writer. I initially liked this when I read it just because it kind of blew my mind. This came out when um, uh, around the time it, fi- it finished when I was just getting back into comics and i had read about it but i never actually read it they had made it so that gabriel summers was a thing and he was you know uh the third summers brother yeah you guys remember when there was a third summers brother (laughs) adam x yeah yeah and so and so that's that's the thing when i was a kid i didn't fully understand the connection that they were really get the connection that they were alluding to and it wasn't until years later, um, you know, I was like, oh, Adam X is supposed to be the summer, third summer's brother. And so they made Gabriel a thing that had happened. 
and I didn't really understand how it all worked out um, and until I, I actually read this. So about a month ago, I reread it, and I was like, wow, this is kind of not good. And then, really? yeah, well, the, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. It was weird. I liked it when I first read it five years ago. And then I reread it, and I was like, ugh. And then, you know, reading it again before we recorded, I was like, this had its, its good points and its not-so-good points. It was kind of okay. This is weird, reading it a few different times and having, like, different impressions of it. So, I, I don't know. But, it, you know, just, like, a, a huge retcon like this is just kind of weird territory. Because, you know, retcons are usually not a fun thing. Right. Like, you know, and this is a major one. You know, this is another fucking Summers Brother. And this is yet another reason why we should not like Professor Charles Xavier. Yes. You know, I feel it, like I probably would have had uh, maybe different opinions about it if, I guess, you didn't, uh, like, tell me what was going to happen. Because I, I knew... Blame it on me. Fine. Yes. I knew everything that was going to happen when I was reading it. Uh, but I still thought it was good. And I really liked the backstories and all of the issues. Except for the one with Emma, which I felt just oh, didn't fit. God, no. It didn't at all. That was that was completely forced. But anyway, so yes, yeah, this is a six-issue miniseries it opens with this angry looking dude waking up on some sort of rock in space it looks like he's made of energy and he's right near a space shuttle there's like dead astronauts he he realizes it's the 21st century and he's like really mad and so then we cut to emma who reads what's happening in space there is a the shuttle's going to crash and the x-men want to get there before the military does and i have to say that the entire time emma is shown in this miniseries she has these, they're, they're pigtails, right? Yes, the side yeah, yeah. pigtails that are kind of long. I was not a big fan of those. Nope, I hated them. That and is not a very Emma choice. Yeah, um, it reminded me, I don't know if anybody will understand the reference. I tried finding the episode, <laughs> but I couldn't earlier. Um, okay, so if anybody is a fan of Scrubs, yes. there was an episode where Dr. Cox's wife, well, Cox. ex-wife, yeah, Mrs. Cox. Mm-hmm, the Cox. Um, the Cox clan. Yeah. She found out that there was going to be this, like, hot, sexy new gynecologist at the hospital. So she and a bunch of the other women in the hospital were, like, trying to, like, dress up and make appointments with him and stuff. So she gave herself pigtails and, like, a you know, one of those, like, oversized carnival lollipops and went in like that. You know, to make herself look younger because she was in her 30s, which is exactly what I feel like happened to Emma because they didn't make Emma look particularly youthful here. They made her look like she was in her mid to late 30s. Okay, but to be fair, Emma wasn't going to see a hot young gynecologist <laughs> and she didn't have an oversized lollipop. Okay, I'm just saying <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. I mean, I'm not against Emma with an oversized lollipop. <laughs> AKA Scott Summers, but <laughs> it's just it's not it's not exactly a comparison. Scrubs was a good show. Scrubs yeah, was a good show. There I love Scrubs. I watch that show, but so so in in, in any case, in the, in the first issue, you get these weird, scary visions. Kurt is having scary visions of his past. Uh, Kitty is having these weird visions in the bathroom mirror, and it's just kind of like a predictable trope. Like, whoa, no, ghosts of the past. <laughs> That's the theme we're getting at here. And they were they were kind of neat. 
But Scott, Logan, and Rachel go to investigate this fucking, um, this space shuttle crash. And what I thought was really cool was there was this giant mass of land shaped like a hand that reached up and caught it. And this is going to come back a couple of times. Uh, Trevor, yeah, Trevor Hairsign, I guess is how you pronounce his last name. Um, there is a lot of good art in this miniseries, but there are a lot of unfortunate looking faces. Uh, very unfortunate-looking faces throughout. But he did some really cool things with um, some of, like, uh, the, the backgrounds and the layouts and stuff. And uh, this hands reaching up to catch the fucking space shuttle. I thought that was really cool. And then they uh, the X-Men come out, and they see what they think is Jean in a nearby cave. And then the shadowy figure grabs Rachel... Uh, and then we cut to uh, Sean Cassidy seeing Moira's ghost, and he runs after it, and he finds this—he finds this thing that says Charles Xavier's notes important. <laughs> so you know that this plot device is important. Yes. But anyway, so there's some guy again. It's a shadowy figure in a cave that takes out Scott and Logan pretty easily, and it seems like the guy knows Scott, although Scott doesn't know him. But then the Office of National Emergency finds Logan by himself. So yeah, so so that was the setup. Some the the villain again is very shadowy. We don't know who this is supposed to be yet. He was in space, crashed to Earth, and got away with. We're assuming got away with Rachel and Scott. So what I thought was interesting about this series too is at the very end of each of the main story, you get this backup story, and it's introducing a different character, and we have no idea the context yet. I, at least I'm guessing. You know, again, by the time I read this 2015, I had already heard of Petra. I had already heard of Sway. I already knew who Darwin was, knew who Vulcan was. But I don't know how this would have been for the new reader uh, when it was coming out at the time. Like, what the heck does this young blonde girl, Petra, have to do with anything that's going on? But I really liked this. Out of any of the backup stories, this was probably my favorite. I fell in love right away. Um, she is a pretty blonde girl who can control rock. Her, her family is from Denmark. She was the first one born in the United States. She, it was a picture-perfect family. Uh, you know, the parents, the brother, the dog, the two-car garage, and they're out on, like, some hike on some mountain, and this rock slide kills everyone, but not her. And then you cut to some shitty foster homes, and this fucking scumbag pedophile who tries to touch her and she has the ground swallow him up, and he calls her a mutant, and she realizes, yeah, she's got to be a mutant. And she's she's living on the streets, uh, but because she control rock, she makes uh, little homes for her herself. And then she realizes, and this was really interesting, that if she concentrates hard enough, she can, can she can turn rock into diamond. That's cool. She should hang out with Emma. <sighs> yeah, because it worked for a little while. Her her making money by selling these diamonds off until she, somebody calls the cops on her. And it's one of my favorite panels in this whole fucking miniseries is when she is flinging these large rocks at the police. <laughs> that was so badass. I love that so much. And I have fucking immediately fell in love with this girl. And the artist was different. I think his name was um, it was Pete Woods. Again, not amazing, but I particularly liked what he did with, with Petra and Petra's story. It was, it was very nice. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, she gets tased. And she gets taken to jail, but she gets bailed out. Somebody's taking custody of her. We don't know who it is yet. It just ends with kind of a close-up of her face. Like, oh my god, somebody else knows I'm a mutant. And it was a super predictable story, but it was short. 
I really liked it. It really set her up as like this endearing character. I don't understand why she got arrested. Though. She didn't do anything bad. Yeah, where'd she get that diamond from? She made it. <laughs> as one does. As one does when they need money, they make diamonds. Yes. To sell them. <laughs> yes, I've been in a similar situation. Patty, please. Jonathan, I don't please. want the police knocking on my door. <laughs> so anyway, the rest of the X-Men come, and they get uh, Wolverine out of the military's hands. They are trying to get Cerebra working again, because it exploded when Emma found this guy in outer space. Cerebra just fucking like blew up. They're working on it. Because they got to find Scott and Rachel. And Alex, meanwhile, just throws a tantrum. <laughs> it was really funny. He just, like, blasts the fucking ground or something. And, like, is, like, yelling at Kitty. And it was just ridiculous. He also had a vision that uh, Lorna was flirting with Iceman. Yes. And Iceman said, uh, you make me bad, Lorna Dane. Before I met you, I was the straightest arrow in this school. <laughs> That's called foreshadowing, Patty. That is called foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, sorry, bub. Turns out that is incorrect. <laughs> Who do you think the straightest arrow is in the X-Men? I can't think of anybody straight right now. <laughs> anybody straight. Name me one straight person. <laughs> <laughs> one straight person? Yes. We're not even talking about comic books. Yeah, no, just, just one One person. fucking human being yes. that is straight. Yes. You can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, so so they're trying to fix the reverse so they can find Scott and Rachel, um, but too bad that Scott and Rachel are held at a villainous lair that is <gasps> dark and seedy and dilapidated and other D words. Who, who left their seed in there? <laughs> Speaking of D words. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but Rachel is sort of chrono skimming. She's got really, like, they, they don't have their powers right now. Scott doesn't have his visor. He doesn't need it because there's no fucking beams. And Rachel can't really read anything that's going on. Her telepathy's not really there. But she's sort of got the chrono skimming. And she sees that the professor was in this location, in this seedy lair uh, some time ago. And then this hooded villain walks in. Um, it's the space guy that captured them. He boasts... Thinking that he killed Logan. Ha! He thinks that he killed Logan, so there's a little clue, and Scott picks up on it, that, that this, this, this villain knows Scott, but does not know Logan. Ha ha. But anyway, Sean is on his way to see the X-Men with his fucking important Xavier document, <laughs> and uh, the villain man is following him, and Logan and Kurt are on the ground. They're waiting for Sean's plane to touch down. Uh, but then this kid in the plane notices a jet flying right towards them. And it's like one of those pictures taken right before a disaster. It's just, it's really, it's really sad. You know, Sean gears up, he jumps out, he tries to scream to stop the fucking, it's the Blackbird that this villain's controlling. But then suddenly his power cuts off and then boom, big fucking explosion in midair. And that was the death of Sean Cassidy. And he stayed dead for quite some time. Oh, okay, so that's why I didn't remember how he died. Yes, because this the, is how. That is also kind of familiar with what happens to uh, Thunderbird 1 on, like, their first mission. He is just Thunderbird. We don't need to <laughs> say Thunderbird 1. There have been no... Wonderbird. <laughs> what? Wonderbird's favorite bread? Wonder bread. <laughs> Wonderbird trying to make that wonder bread. Am I right? Am I right, folks? Oh, we're so stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. 
And you know who was there when Wonderbird died? Sean. Sean was right there. He was right there. He was right there. I never even fucking thought of that. Holy shit. And you say you have a bad memory. You remembered how Thunderbird died. Wonderbird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and Sean stayed dead for, for a very long time. He came back uh, a couple years ago in Astonishing as, as Zombie Sean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was dead that whole time. Well, he 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 came back briefly, but before that, as a horseman. Um, but he was still zombie Sean. And again, before that, fuck, I'm remembering all these zombie Shawns now. Zombie Sean. Zombie Sean was also in Necrotia. Wait, isn't the guy from Shaun of the Dead? Yes, also named Sean. <laughs> <laughs> he is Shaun of the Dead, but it, he it's, is it's spelled differently. Though. No, I don't like Sean when it's spelled S E A N. That whoa, doesn't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You whoa. don't like when it's S E A N? No, because it doesn't say Sean. It says C N. Yeah, it says C N. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I mentioned My this apologies yes. to listeners named C N. Sean. Patty, you got to do this with C N, with the Geoffrey, too? I fucking hate when people's name just, is Geoffrey. Just let, That's not a name. Just let people be. No. Patty, <laughs> just let people be. Uh, so Darwin. Darwin. This is where we get Darwin from. I didn't even know that this was like the first appearance of Darwin. It was. I've read other things with him. Yes. And then he was in the movie and uh, his power to, you know, fix anything, any problem, uh, apparently doesn't extend to uh, fixing the problem of being a black man in Hollywood. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> He had, like, he had the moment, I think, when they were showing off their powers in X-Men First Class, where he stuck his head in the fish tank, and he grew yeah. the gills, and he turned, and he, and he smiled, and, you know, the head in water with the gills. was it, was it, I guess was a nice little nod to what happened in, in uh, X-Men Deadly Genesis, but unfortunately, like, again, black man in Hollywood, like, the fucking, how are you gonna kill, he's like the <laughs> one out of any of them that ain't gonna be killed, and he was the first one to go. Ugh, fuck. Anyway. So yeah, so apparently Darwin looked like that since he was little. His ability, his his mutant powers didn't kick in until puberty, but he always looked like, sort of like an alien. And apparently his his, his dad left his mom, and his mom was a bitch. She blamed him, and she hated him. Um, but at school, there were all these tests. He was smart. He aced all of them. And she's like, oh, is he one of the smartest kids in the school? And, like, the gu- fucking guy from the school is like, no, he's one of the smartest kids in the fucking country. And so his mom was real happy because she's like, oh, one of these nice schools pay me to take him? So he was at a boarding school, and he got picked on for looking the way that he did. And so, yeah, so the bullies put his head in the toilet and were giving him a swirly when he when he was able to breathe underwater. And when he was fighting back against the kids, his hands turned to rock. Uh, a scientist studied him, figured out he was a mutant, and uh, his mom still rejected him. He's really sad. He tries to kill himself, and his body wouldn't let him. And that's really sad. Yep. He jumps off a roof, and all of a sudden, like, his fucking legs just, like, I don't know, they look like fucking like rubber bands or something, and they just bent, and he was, he was fine, and he, like, thought it was funny. And it was, that was just a really sad moment, like, trying to kill yourself, and you can't because your life has been so fucking miserable. And you, you have well, no I mean, Zipful's the- tried that, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. All of these backstories are all very sad. Yeah. So, Tuck on the buckle in. <laughs> yeah, but then somebody came to see him, and it was a lady. It was a lady. And uh, 
he was like, I don't want to be tested on anymore, please. And she was like, no, no, no. I'm going to help you. I know about mutants. And he was like, sign me up, white lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Ed Brubaker was killing it on the dialogue. <laughs> so yeah, so issue three. So this is this is one of those instances that I was I was talking about. That is a face not even a mother could love. <laughs> what is with that chin and that hairline? And his eyes. Yeah. He looks like a guppy. A lot of this art was not bad, and some of it was actually pretty damn good. Like look at this fucking explosion. Like that's that's neat, you know? Helicopters. Yeah. But it's it's the faces. Oh. Yeah, some people can't do faces well. Yeah. So Logan and Kurt um, decide they need to... They know that Sean was bringing them something important. And they need to distract the military so they can get it and get out of there. And and they do. So we cut to the villainous lair. And the bad guy pulls Rachel off the wall. And Scott is like, she's just a kid. And the bad oh, guy goes... you don't want to do the voice? The bad guy goes, huh? Oh, she's just a kid. Thank you. I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> I thought that's the way you capitalized he literally, it. No, because he was yelling it. I didn't even think. I guarantee you, Brubaker took it from Pride of the X-Men. And that's just a big fuck you to Scott. We're going to give him Wolverine's line. And the bad guy goes, we were all kids once. Like, that's, that's a, that is a true statement, sir. We all were kids once in our lives. Uh, we haven't found out too much about this guy yet, except that he's bad. Um, there's more seeing ghosts of things at Xavier's. Alex has his vision of Xavier telling Corsair that Scott and Alex are not to know something. They've been through enough. And then, uh, yeah, so he's he's using Rachel to, to try to prod the X-Men's minds, and she yells at him, and he throws her into a wall, and Scott yells, You said you wouldn't hurt her! And he goes, She started it, Scott! And so, yeah, some of the dialogue, too, especially from Villain Man, is, Villain Man. is not very good. Some of us are still kids. <laughs> yeah. Rachel realizes that this villainous guy knew Xavier and trained with him. What? And so what Sean was trying to bring the X-Men was a video. And Moira says that when the X-Men went missing, she gave Xavier her own children and he got them all killed. Bullshit. <laughs> no, Patty, it's true. It's all on video. Oh, where, where is Margaret at this time? Is she dead? She's dead. She's, she's did, dead. She was, she, she was killed. I believe she was killed by Mystique. If I'm Good not, for her. If I'm not mistooken. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was funny. Yeah, I'm glad you liked that. So the next backup story is the next character we're introduced to, and it's Sway. And this is similar to Petra. Uh, family was killed, uh, and when the family was killed, it didn't affect Sway whose real name is Suzanne, Suzanne Chen. Petra has only ever been known as Petra, but Sway got a real name, and it's Suzanne Chen. And Darwin has a name, too. Yeah, Armando Munoz. So... Wait, so Sway is supposed to be Chinese? Yeah. She did not look it. I thought she was Hispanic. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I didn't have good lighting or something, because there was another panel of Beast that I thought was Psylocke, so... I don't know. Patty. <laughs> it was because he had, like, stripes on his pants, and they made his body look really, like, ladylike. I don't know. Whatever. Continue. <laughs> no, no. It's just, I get Beast and Psylocke mixed up all the time. <laughs> you know, with that purple hair. Yeah. Versus the blue everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was wearing a cape, then, so you couldn't see. 
it's the hair, be, Jonathan. TBH, blue and purple are both colors. Yes. So it's easy to, to confuse fair. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then when the family got killed, yeah, it didn't affect Suzanne, just like with Petra. Um, and just like with Petra, her powers kicked in when it was happening. So this time there was a drive-by shooting. Sway and her family were innocent bystanders. Uh, her family got hit with the fucking bullets. They, they were killed. But the bullets, none of them hit Suzanne. And the cops are like, what? How? There are all these fucking bullet holes right in this building. How are you not shot? Um, so she's traumatized. Poor girl was just wanted to go to college. Uh, but she goes back to the scene of the crime, and uh, another part of her power kicks in, and she can replay the recent past. She can follow the car where the criminals who were shooting were in back to their apartment. She calls the police. Uh, the police arrest them, and one of them realizes that she was a mutant and called someone, and it was Moira. So, again, things are starting to come together. When Moira says... When, when Moira gave Xavier her own kids... Maybe Sway and Darwin and Petra were the kids that Moira was talking about. But then we get a flashback in issue four. It's when the X-Men went missing on a mission. We see the Krakoa mission. And the worst part of all this, the (laughs) worst part of all this, is when Angel was being accosted by parrots. (laughs) How could Krakoa do such a thing? And how could Angel be so forgiving in this day? (laughs) To this day... Has Krakoa ever apologized for accosting Warren? He should have been like, "Look, we both have birds. We we both have birds. We both have wings. We're we're cousins. We're both related to dinosaurs. Leave me alone." Patty, that joke is for the birds. Uh... (laughs) But Charles pays Moira a visit in the past and said he needs Moira's students. So Rachel tells Scott that this villain didn't used to be so powerful, but something bumped him up. Past Omega level. Past Omega level. Patty, how do you get past Omega level? Yeah, I, I don't That's know. Stupid. I don't know uh, the Greek alphabet too well. Um, <laughs> Omega is the last letter. I, I have no idea. Okay, I have I have to go and do some research and Alpha. play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Alpha, <laughs> Alpha Sigma Chi, Sigma Delta Beta. I'm there just I'm a, just making up sororities now. There was. A, I'm sorry, Greek people. There was a a really bad fraternity on my campus, and my brother and his friends all told me, like, oh, don't never go there. It was right across the street. I have no idea what it was called. It was just, you know, three Greek letters. I don't remember, but it was a party house. Well, fraternities are stupid anyway. Fraternities are stupid. Like, what's, what's the point? Just to have all your bros in one place? This place must smell like feet. <laughs> This is a fun fact of when I was dorming. Oh, good. They had, uh, you couldn't open the windows, like regular windows. They just had this little cut out, like two by two little square that you could pull open. And that was all the window you could open. And there was only one of them. So um, when I went to my friend's room that had like, you know, it was just guys in there. It smelled fucking rancid yeah it was disgusting yeah guys take showers <laughs> seriously really wash your feet why do you smell like balls all the time <laughs> dudes i mean am I right bro why why we, we just smell like fucking balls all the time <laughs> i just just balls all the time i assume they gave us those windows so nobody would jump, jump out, out. yeah yeah obviously commit suicide but too. then uh you know my roommate would smoke weed out of it 
No. <laughs> Whatever. She wasn't killing herself. She wasn't killing herself. Right. She was, you know, ingesting vegetables. <laughs> yes, ingesting vegetables. Yes. yes. She was eating the marijuana. <laughs> that's how you get high. No, that's not. Don't nobody. <laughs> Nobody just nobody do anything illegal. Don't eat anything unless Don't eat anything. <laughs> eat multigrain Cheerios. They're good for you. They're heart healthy. All right, anyway, what what were we talking about? I don't know. Moira wanted to raise her own batch of mutants. <laughs> you know, cuz uh Char- Charlie over there got to raise got to raise a family of mutants and she's like, "Oh, fuck you." I have a son who is a mutant. I can do this, uh, even though I failed that time. Well, no, this, technically this, this, happened, this happened before, before that. that. Yep. Oh, retcon. Yeah, aren't they fun? That's uh, what I'm saying. Okay, so she did not yet have mutant baby that she failed with, <laughs> so she decided to give her own team a try. So she was training Sway, Petra, and Darwin, and. and- the villain who turned out to be named Kid Vulcan. Or just Vulcan. Or just Vulcan. Or just, I was like, wow, Kid or, Vulcan sounds or, stupid. Or just Gabriel is what he or went by. Or just Gabriel. This was before he was a villain. This was, this was you know, this was in the past. We just met Sway, Petra, and Darwin in those backup stories. And we've been seeing this villain now. In the first issue, he was just like very shadowy. But in the following couple of issues, you see him, but you don't know exactly who he is. But now we know, and now we know too that this all took place in the past, uh, right around that first Krakoa mission from Giant Size X Men. There's a shot of Charles Xavier and the team on the stairs, just like the Giant Size team, but it's the four mutants that are, are Moira's team. Charles wants these kids to help save the X Men, and Vulcan is like, well, fuck, we'll do it. And it's just the four of them. Like, you realize that it took 13 X Men to. <laughs> you know, actually defeat Krakoa. But just the four of them. Just the four of them are going to do it. But yeah, so then Xavier decides to give them a mental crash course uh, in training. Months go by in their minds, even though this yeah, is so no more. Yeah, so he's doing this, like, in the Shadow Realm or some shit. The sh- <laughs> well, whatever whatever nice version of that you want to call it. Um, the psychic plane. The, yeah, whatever. Um, so he's like, so they have no idea... That it isn't like months of their life going by. They <laughs> yeah. think that it's, they think that it's months of their life, but in the real world, it's only a few days. Yeah, and they don't even find that out. No, they don't. They don't. They don't find that out before they go on the mission. And Moira questions how Xavier can put these children in harm's way over and over again. He wants to mold them into good people, but he's training them to like send them on a fucking potential suicide mission. And they seem happy, like they're actually fucking X-Men. And it's really sad. It's sad, there's like only a couple of panels of them like bonding on the psychic plane. But it's just sad that they have no fucking idea. And they're so fucking confident. Before they actually get in the fucking jet to go on the mission, they're just so confident, so happy. We don't know what actually happened, but uh, what the dialogue was, it's just there's a comment that Xavier took Gabriel over to the side and said something. And uh, then the video cuts out. And so Beast and Logan and Kurt are watching this, Moira telling this story that we're seeing in these flashbacks. And Beast states the obvious. You guys weren't the first rescue team Xavier sent. And Logan is like, why haven't we ever heard of this team? And Kurt's like, what happened to them? 
And the, the building in which Rachel and Scott were being kept by, by the villain, who we know is Vulcan now, was the facility run by Moira. Scott barely remembers it, but Vulcan says, Xavier didn't want you to remember Big Brother. He... Oh, Nietzsche. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> I don't, oh, we don't need Summer's incest, really. Do you want to picture that? <laughs> no. Yeah, all right. He made you forget that he sacrificed me to save you and the X-Men. And so, boom, there it is. Whoop, Whoop there, there it, it is. is. And so the backup story this time is Vulcan. And he is a space baby. Baby in space, space baby. Um, He's, uh, he is baby space. Right? The space girls. The there's space girls. There's scary space. There's posh space. <laughs> ginger space. Sporty space. <laughs> and Gabriel Summers is baby space. <laughs> you know, I didn't know till I was like a teenager, maybe, what the word posh meant. I thought they just made up the word. I, mean, I was like, what is she even supposed to be? Hey, listen, if you were to ask me right now, I couldn't even tell you. Like fashionable? Fashionable? I guess. Okay. I don't know. Because she always looked like she had, like, resting bitch face. Yeah, I don't so I know anybody like... as a kid who uh, had her as their fave. I thought she was attractive. Probably the most, yes. I thought she was the most attractive. Okay, well, that's that's fair. But she wasn't my favorite. Fine. My favorite was sporty. And also ginger. <laughs> okay. Because uh, sporty reminded me a lot of Sailor Jupiter. Oh, I see it. And uh, if... Sailor Jupiter was my favorite. If you knew me when I was a kid, you would have assumed I would have grown up to be the biggest lesbian. Oh, I <laughs> don't know how I feel about those words. I was uh, like a... They call it a tomboy. <laughs> and I was all about like girls who were like boys. Like Mulan, that was my shit. I, I just wanted girls to to kick ass and kiss. All right. Just kidding. So this is uh, this is neat. <laughs> I think it's cool when girls kick ass and kiss too. Good. <laughs> All right. Cool. Glad we're on the same page about girls kissing. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he was taken from his mother's womb. He was made a servant, and he references uh, feathers on these people, which is obviously the Shi'ar people. Um, he said his his memories are kind of fuzzy. He accidentally killed the only woman who was really nice to him. So now he ends up in New York City, and the cops find him, and then Moira finds him. Of course, there's there's a common theme in here. And it's weird to see this, because Gabriel and Scott even fucking spar together. And he was so happy about it. He's like, I get to fight with the leader of the X-Men? This is awesome. Yeah, he, he overhears Xavier say that he could even join the X-Men. And so here was something very un-Xavier-like. Xavier didn't probe too deep in Gabriel's mind. That doesn't sound like a thing Xavier that would do. That does not sound like a thing Xavier will do, especially when you read the rest of the story. Yeah. But yeah, so, it, you know, Gabriel killed the only woman who ever was nice to him in the Shi'ar Empire. He did so because he lost control of his powers. He doesn't want Xavier to know that because, yeah, he does want to be an X-Man someday. And I just, it, it just, it's weird to me... To see this, you know, Moira in this video calling Xavier a bastard and saying these things about him, putting children in danger. Lady, he's literally been doing it for years. How is this a surprise? I guess, you know, the because stakes... none of them had died so far? Yeah, the stakes are higher this time, but, but still, this shouldn't be too surprising. 
And then, uh, and then, yeah. So the the fucking this this team of four young mutants are gonna go save all the X Men, right? Right. Happily ever after, right? Right. That's how the story ends. That's how I know it. Wrong. There's still more. What? Yeah. So does Armando's origin just Darwin over your heart? Do you think Gabriel is a total babe? Real? Don't go away or a sway, folks, because we'll be right back after the commercial break. Hi, I'm Patty. You may know me from such podcasts as the Mutant Musings podcast and also for having a dog named Raz. Oh my god! It's Patty from Mutant Musings and has a dog named Raz! Oh my god! I can't believe she's here right now! And if you're anything like me, you probably have some geeky interests. What? Patty, no one is like you! You are the fiercest! Oh my god! That's why I'm here to tell you about Geekade.com. Geekade is a website with articles and podcasts about lots of different geeky topics. Tell them, girl, work! If you like anime or Pokemon or wrestling or video games, then Geekade.com has the content for you. Plus YouTube and Twitch channels for even more geekiness. Geekade.com is a geek stream. Geekade.com? More like Pattycade.com. Yes, queen! Check out Geekade.com today. Patty Slay. So yeah, so in issue five, a fucking one sentinel comes for Vulcan. He destroys it, kills the guy inside, and Gabriel is just really fucking mad. His plan is to get Xavier's attention because he has daddy issues. <laughs> and and here's 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 a point that I really did not like though, that I actually thought it was kind of laughable. So the X-Men are watching this on TV, right? There's film coverage of, you know, Vulcan destroying this sentinel and killing this guy. The X-Men are watching this on TV. And Alex is like, we should be there right now. And the rest of them are like, nah. <laughs> Literally, Logan is like, nah, we've been in some, some deep crap with one lately. We, we gotta pick our battles. I'm like, what? Well, it's Patty. not like, like you want to fight the guy that just killed one of your enemies. I mean, that's how I look at it. We'll let him just a little bit longer. Just yeah, a little bit just longer. let him maybe, maybe take out a few more, a few more of, our, of our one guys. <laughs> Yeah, that didn't sit right with me. But in the meantime, Rachel managed to escape. Uh, She got back to the mansion, and she told the X-Men about what's going on. And uh, Vulcan tells Scott that he killed Banshee, and Scott is like, You? You just kill people? And you claim you were an X-Man? You disgust me. You could never be my brother. So that's why Xavier pulled Gabriel off to the side right before the mission, to, to tell him about, you know, having a brother. And, like, so so here's my thinking, though. Like, don't you think that would maybe fuck somebody up? Like, mess with their concentration? Yes. Like, right before going on this big, Absolutely. Tell him after. Like, yeah. So, But he probably was like, well, you're probably going to die anyway. <laughs> yeah, so that, that just, there were a couple of really poor choices in this particular, in this particular issue. You know, there were some silly choices of, like, you know, dialogue and, and things before this, as I've pointed out, and uh, a little bit of the artwork, like, as I've stated, with, like, the faces, but overall, that's a decent story for a huge retcon story. Um, you know, it's pretty good, but yeah, there was a couple of, like, big plot points in this issue that just fell fell off for me completely. So anyway, so as, as we said, Vulcan's plan here is to get Xavier's attention. He wants to confront Xavier, and Xavier does show up. He does. Gabriel wants Xavier to show everyone the truth about what actually 
happened to him and his team in the past. But Xavier can't. Xavier cannot do that. He says that when Wanda Max Wanda Maximoff wanted to show me what it was really like to be a... Uh, that's not a nice word, right? Cripple. Yeah, that's not a nice word, but there we go. This is when we find out that M-Day depowered Charles Xavier. He can walk, but he doesn't have his telepathy anymore. And so that's interesting. I think that that's really interesting that Xavier lost his mutant power. And, you know, I mean, whatever. They were doing fine without you for a little while, Chuck. So it is what it is. I kind of like that. That was, you know, that that kind of as the ending point to the to the main story before the backup again in this issue. How Vulcan's plan this this whole time was to somehow locate and attract Charles Xavier, and he did it, but he can't get what he wants. He's bitching this whole time, yeah. uh, and he can't get what he wants because Xavier can't show everybody what actually happened. Um, so that made me kind of happy. I mean, also fucking Charles Xavier a little bit too, you know. Yeah, no, like... I thought it was great that, uh, he lost his powers. Yeah. Cause fuck him. Cause yeah. clearly he is not responsible with his powers as we will shortly see. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the backup story, there's another backup story. We've only seen four of Moira's quote unquote X-Men. There so... were only four. But what's this one? It's Emma. But what? And again, I liked Pete Wood's art. And even this one, for the most part, it wasn't so bad. But Emma's body did not look nice. Patty, don't say anything. I wrote that to remind myself to say that. Because I know you want to say things. But, yeah, because, you know, she was in her undies. And just her body was not drawn. Yeah, she was a stripper. Her body was not drawn nice. It was not. It was just bad, bad, bad art. It's funny. Xavier is at the Hellfire Club watching the strippers. (laughs) <laughs> as one does as, as xavier does with moira and uh, yeah and uh, even moira's got the fucking you know push-up bra and the cleavage going but but it was funny xavier wants a private dance and so they go into a room and emma's like give me your money and, and xavier doesn't fall for it and he's like I, and emma emma does it telepathically again i said give me your money damn it and xavier's like that's not gonna work on me so this, that was a little funny but she's she's mad she's mad she doesn't want to join Xavier, she doesn't want to go with him. She doesn't like how he knows that she's a mutant. And so, fine. So, Xavier and Moira leave. But then Emma runs after them. And then the bouncer comes out after Emma. And uh, then Gabriel gets out of the car and blasts the bouncer. And Xavier freezes everyone and said this was a mistake. And I was like, this was just kind of dumb. This was unnecessary. Like, I get that there are six issues here. You've got four of Moira's X-Men. And so now you needed uh, a fifth backup story. But Emma, really... So Xavier made the bouncer forget and made Emma forget. Emma does not know that this happened. Great. I, I really didn't like this. Again, this fifth issue, a couple of plot points really I didn't I didn't like. I liked how it ended, the main story, but on the way there it was not very good and this backup story was not very good. I, I didn't like it. hated this backup story. Yeah. But like really... Also, was she ever canonically a stripper? Yes. She was? Yes. Okay, I didn't know that. She was. When she got to the Hellfire Club, she was a stripper. But, I mean, like, what else would they have done? Why didn't just they make a fifth character? Don't have a backup story. But they need, a, for the price point, they need the pages to fill. Ugh, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> have a story about Moira, then. She's the leader. Yeah, I could have done one about Moira, I guess, but I suppose Brubaker, or the editors, or both of them, all of them, wanted to have this happen, and I just was not a fan of it. All right, so the sixth issue, uh, Vulcan's solution to Xavier not being telepathic is that Rachel's going to help. Going to link to Xavier's mind and link it to everyone else's mind and show it to everyone. And so the flashback 
is the team, the four of them, landing on Krakoa. They lose Xavier's Mind Link, but Gabriel pushes them to keep going. Petra's powers don't work on these little fucking Krakoa monsters. Obviously sucks. Um, but they manage to rescue Scott. Gabriel tells Scott that they're brothers. And uh, yeah, Catherine was pregnant. And in uh, Shi'ar space, they removed Gabriel and they killed Catherine. They get Scott to safety. And uh, yeah, everything seems like it's, it's going to be okay. They just got to go save the rest of the X-Men. But Sway was cut in half. And this was really fucking sad. There was a page, there was a page or two here that were just really fucking rough to look at. Because I felt so bad for these people. There wasn't too much of a focus on these characters. Yeah, they got their backup stories. But other than that, there wasn't a ton of characterization. There really wasn't. But still, you know, they set you up to feel for them. And you know that they're just pawns in Xavier's plan at this point anyway. Um, They're under Xavier's control now, not Moira's. Moira was trying to train them, yeah, to test their powers. But, you know, Xavier is using them to save, you know, his own X-Men. But Sway was cut in fucking half. And there's this one panel where they're in front of this, like, Krakoan volcano monster. And Darwin is on the ground next to the two parts of Sway's body screaming. And Petra and Vulcan are trying to attack the volcano monster. And it just unleashes his flames on them. And they're just fucking burnt. But... In the last moments of their lives, Sway slowed... And you see it too. Half of her body, she slowed down time. And that bought Petra enough time to open up the ground and have it swallow the four of them. So yeah, they were all dying, but not completely dead. Petra was incinerated. She was killed. Sway obviously cut in half. She was killed. But apparently Vulcan was okay. And Darwin attached himself to Vulcan to stay alive. The the fact that Darwin attached himself to Vulcan kept him alive. So it's like Sway and Petra sacrificed their lives to save him. And Darwin saved him too. It was like teamwork to fucking save this fucking kid. And then what happens? The fucking uh, giant size team is recruited. Sent to Krakoa. All the X-Men are saved. And Jean and Lorna fucking toss Krakoa out into this uh, Krakoa out into space. And so that's where Dar- Darwin and Vulcan are. They're trapped in this piece of Krakoa out in space for Oops. fucking years. For years. Yeah, so all that was just really sad. Like that really that really hit my feels. These poor fucking kids, really. These poor fucking kids. And you know, they were willing to put their lives on the line to be X-Men, to save the X-Men. And they ended up fucking sacrificing themselves to save one of their own. And he was lost in space for fucking, I don't know how many years in uh, in comic book time. And Darwin was still attached to him. And so, you know, uh, when they were talking about pushing his powers past Omega level, I guess, I don't know if they specifically addressed it in this issue, number six. Maybe they did. I don't feel like they did. But I feel like it was Darwin being attached to Vulcan is what pushed his powers past Omega level. But Yeah, because he also, like kind of took Sway and Petra's powers, and that's yes. kind of how Vulcan could use them, kind yes. of. Yeah, so. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, the X-Men fight uh, Vulcan, and he ends up flying off. Darwin, they, like, manage to separate him from Vulcan, and he's just this, oh, yeah. like, light with skeleton in it. It's weird, and it's just, like, his... Uh... Nervous system, sort of? Yeah, it's, like, his nervous system or something, and they basically... Like, his body is reconstructing itself 
because he had at yeah. least his life force left. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he managed to reform his body, and he was okay. And his story went on from from here. I mean, uh, in the X Men issues that came out after this, um, some of them went off into space to chase after Vulcan and Darwin. I believe went with them. It's been a long time since I read those, and. You know, Vulcan turned into a fucking genocidal maniac for quite some time. But that's where that story continued in X-Men. But yeah, I mean, this was, you know, again, I have to put off to, I have to put aside, like, the feelings about this giant, ridiculous retcon because it's easy to just kind of sit here and, and, and bash it when they decide to make these things, like, years after the fact. It's like, oh, let's fucking throw a monkey wrench in the middle of fucking 1974. Here, whoop, there's... Fucking another X-Men team that happened, but Charles decided not to tell anyone, and when Scott came back on the Blackbird from Krakoa, he was so worried and freaking out, and Charles uh, put him to sleep, and then wiped his mind so he didn't know that that whole Krakoa thing with Moira's X-Men, these four kids, so Scott never knew that that actually happened. And Charles had taken those memories and kept it for himself. And we can assume that he wiped Moira's memories of it too, but before he had the chance, she made that video recording that the current X-Men saw. So nobody else knew about uh, Moira's X-Men. Scott didn't remember that Gabriel was his brother, and that's obviously really terrible treatment of these characters, but that's the whole point of this story. It was actually... Really interesting, and again, overall, I like this story. There were a couple of missteps along the way, some some silly dialogue and and whatever, but um, it was really interesting, and I would definitely recommend reading this. If for even if you don't like it, I mean, it's it's kind of an important piece of of X Men history and Summers history if you like any or all of the Summers brothers. But I do like this. Uh, Vulcan was a was a you know kind of a fucking brat as a villain, and he continued to be. Quite a hateable asshole after after this story, and I was glad when he got killed and had very mixed feelings when he showed up on Krakoa. Um, but that has changed a little bit recently because in one issue, you know, my feelings towards him started to change a little bit, and and you know, there it seems like they're setting him up for something. It seems that what Hickman is doing with a lot of these single issues of X Men is setting up bigger things that may come back later, and I have a feeling that's what he's doing here. With Vulcan, so the last comic we're talking about is X-Men 10, with, which again, as of this recording, came out only about a month ago. But, you know, because I saw that cover that had Petra and Sway on it alongside Vulcan, I was like, oh shit, let me reread Deadly Genesis and then maybe we can talk about this. What did you think about X-Men number 10? It was confusing. Really? Yeah. It was confusing? Why? Uh, because I wasn't really understanding how he was just like, I'm gonna go walk on the moon and fight some tree guys. Well, oh, that, okay. Well, this is part of the empire with the Y because it's not spelled correctly. They yes. got to be edgy. Yeah, but what? Uh, okay, so I'm not supposed to know what these tree guys are. Well, they are an alien race called the Kotadi, and we're not supposed to like them. I don't think they're tree guys. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the most I know about it. I'm not following the main series. Whatever tie-ins there are that have tied into X-Men, I read. I'm also reading the current volume of Captain Marvel, and Empire is tying into that. I haven't really... Honestly, it's mostly caught me up just by reading these tie-ins. I have no interest in the main series, but the current run of Captain Marvel is very good. And these Empire tie-ins are fucking amazing. I, I love them, but that's that's a side note. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Look, alien alien race of tree people, the called the Kotati. Okay, yeah. so he just uh, decides, you girls drink some margaritas. I'm going to go outside and fight some trees. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. If nice there are these uh, tree people that need to be fought, why are they just, like, chilling there looking outside? So what happened was Vulcan noticed that they were building this weapon and aiming it at Earth. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the art, it was a little it was a little weird. But yeah, he was, he's like, I don't know much about trajectory, but I would say that it's being aimed at Earth. You wouldn't want to aim that at Krakoa. That's an island full of strong people, is sort of what he was saying. So, yeah. So uh-huh. that's, what, that's what was going on here. But I thought that this issue was super interesting. It wasn't explicitly dense, but I read more into it than there was. Because, I, again, I just, I love D-list characters. Petra and Sway, I'm sure, are going to be forever D-list, but yeah. So, Gabriel's having this really weird dream. There's literally this little fire burning inside of him. I don't know if it's a dream, a flashback, or what it seems like he's dreaming with there's aliens around him. I have no idea what that's supposed to be about. And I thought it was funny when he wakes up, he walks into the kitchen, and Petra calls him Emperor. And I think Sway was like, he doesn't like being called that. And she's like, well, I like calling him that, and I'm the one making drinks. (laughs) They're fucking drunks. We saw them in a panel or two of a previous issue, and they were passed out from fucking partying. Good. Good for them. They're interested uh, in the hot mutants on Krakoa. They're talking about the hot mutants. Hot medium-powered mutants, I think, something like that. But Petra says the island. She's interested in the hot mutants on the island coming to the Summer's House, which is on the moon. So they they aren't going to this quote-unquote island. But anyway, Gabriel doesn't seem in the mood for the party, so he starts to go for a walk on the moon. And so, yeah, so that's when he sees that the Kotadi, the aliens, are aiming something at Earth, and he even talks to one of them. And it's just weird to see him talk like this. And it's funny, there's a little bit of a build-up, and you can tell there's some tension. You can't understand, obviously, what the Kotadi are saying. It's not translated. But then we cut back to Petra and Sway. They're still drinking. And then, you know, their perspective, they're looking at Earth. And then it cuts to their dialogue. It cuts back to the view of Earth. And there's a big explosion. And I just thought and, it was very funny. And they were like, <laughs> should we go help? And Petro was like, let me finish this drink first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great. But then we cut back to more of that. The aliens from that dream Gabriel was having. They planted something in him. They call him a beautiful broken creature. And it's just in a weird way. It was just really sad. And again, I'm sure it's going to come back. We don't really understand it uh, at this point. But what's interesting is he he's referenced a couple of times in previous issues a fire burning inside him, an inferno. And so, like, here you literally see this fire burning inside him, right? Yeah. So, like, means something. But I don't fucking get it at all at this point. He's just tearing all the Kotati apart, giant fucking explosions. He looks angry. Like that fucking rage we haven't seen in him since, you know, since Emperor Vulcan. But then as soon as Petra and Sway show up, he calms down. And... He agrees to go back home for a drink. And it's just, it's super interesting that they showed up. They didn't have to lift a finger to help him or do it. Not, not like a powerful dude like this would need the help anyway. But just he immediately calmed down and agreed to go back for a drink. And I hated Vulcan for years when he was a space villain. He was very, very easy to hate. But this issue made me feel a little something for him again. A little sympathetic and a little curious about what is going on with him. You know, and, and also when you think about like, uh, mutants being resurrected in their memories. If Petra and Sway are calling him Emperor, they, yeah, I was wondering about that. They too. must know about his time as Emperor Vulcan, and he must remember that too when he was like the genocidal ruler of the Shi'ar Empire. 
And also, I just feel so terribly for these fucking broken kids. And I'm wondering, too, if Gabriel was brought back, obviously, because it's Scott and Alex fucking Summers, and they are major X-Men, and they wanted their brother back. Um, And maybe, you know, maybe the council or somebody thought that having, you know, his old friends would maybe bring some sense of familiarity and calm and goodness to him. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's why they brought Petra and Sway back. But at the same time, if you're going to bring them back, you're going to give them those memories... They are fucking traumatized. They didn't even say Krakoa. They called it the island. Like it's oh. like they don't they don't even want to say the word Krakoa. I didn't even pick up on that. And no way in fucking hell are the two of them. Uh, Gabriel's been to Krakoa, as far as I know. I think we saw him on Krakoa in X Men One. I could be wrong, but I think so. Petra and Sway have not been there. Um, well, I don't blame them. Exactly. So I'm saying these kids are fucking traumatized. So not only are they not going to step foot on the island. But they're spending all their time in the summer's house getting drunk. I mean, they most of their dialogue is about how they're going to party. They're going to turn it up to 11. Are we going to get drunk or are we going to get drunk? You know, this is how they're dealing with their feelings. Yeah, and uh, this is something that I was thinking, too, when I read this after reading uh, Deadly Genesis, that, you know... They they weren't given much in the department of personality sure. in that series because obviously it was only six issues. They were only alive for like a few of them. Yeah. And then here is their like only other appearance that I know of. Right. And they both have the same personality. They're just Basically. like, let's get drunk. Let's have margaritas until we pass out. That's both of them. You could exchange any of their lines and it would make no difference. It's true. It's it's true. And, you know, again, I believe it's because, you know, I mean, as you said, they appeared in a couple of issues. They they aren't characters that have appeared anywhere else over the years. I think maybe alternate universe versions of them have showed up briefly, I think. But in 616 universe, no, they haven't been around at all. So no writer has ever had the chance to delve into their personalities. But I think it's also effective because of, again, Jonathan Hickman could have tried to give them some sort of different personalities here. But because of the trauma that they've experienced in their lives, it was just, no, let's get drunk. This is how we're dealing with our feelings. Because it's not just the whole Krakoa thing. It's, where are their families? Where are Petra and Sway's families? Yeah, they're dead. They're dead. And also, (laughs) something that we didn't mention in the backstory with Petra is she didn't know if she caused the avalanche that happened. Oh, yeah. Or the rock slide that happened. Or if... She didn't cause it, but she could still have saved them. Like, she saved herself. Yeah, she's questioning it. And I guarantee you, Sway is going through the same thing. She was able to stop the time around yeah. herself so the bullets wouldn't hit her. Could I she have done that to her about family? That too. I was like, well, if she could do that for herself, why didn't she save her family? Obviously, because her power wasn't activated. Yeah, she didn't know. But, but yeah, I mean, that's obviously that's something one would beat themselves up over. So, I again, I... I I'm saying probably the same thing many different ways, but I think there's deep psychological damage to these characters. You're and I think, smart. What? <laughs> I'm not smart. I love D-less characters, and so if you give me a little, I'm going to run with it. I think it's super interesting. I don't think Hickman has long-term plans for them. I kind of hope uh, that we'll just see them again, you know? Um, but I don't think there's any, any deeper plans. But I just thought that X-Men 10 was super fucking interesting. And it really, it made me think about Deadly Genesis, so I reread it, and I was like, oh, I want to talk about it, so let's, 
Let's do an episode. Patty hasn't read it yet. This will be the perfect excuse. So yeah, so here we are. Again, I don't hate Vulcan like I did years ago. But also, you know, things are different. He was written as a complete piece of shit years ago. So it was kind of easy to hate him. I I am interested to see where this whole fucking weird alien different dimension fire inside of him thing goes. Because I'm sure that'll come back a year or two from now. All right. So that'll do it for this special episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. What do you think of Vulcan's origin? Do you even like Gabriel as a character? Join us in two weeks for our summer series finale and until then... Vulcan was right? Nah. <laughs>